0: Welcome in to The Walk-Ons, part of the Caveman Podcast Network, here with your hosts, Eric Comfort, CJ Wagner, and Remington Jarrett.
1: Welcome back to The Walk-Ons. Today we have episode one of our three-part first-round NFL mock draft. The NFL draft is just a few weeks away, and it is one of the few things in the sporting world that is still, I won't say progressing as normal, but is actually still happening. It's not postponed. We're going to have a little bit of excitement in our lives now. I'm Eric. I'm here with your fellow co host Remington and CJ. Rem, how are you doing today?
2: Doing well, my friend. Excited to dig into this uh, draft topic here and, you know, just getting my dose of sports as we all love in this sportsless time.
1: Uh, what about you, CJ?
0: I'm doing just fine. Thank you for asking.
1: Yeah, I, did, I wasn't really interested. It was just a courtesy.
0: Oh, okay.
2: Either way, I'm doing <laughs> good. Okay, <laughs> so I don't know if... It still exists.
1: Oh, of course. So, I don't know if you guys are aware... But Mr. Bernie Sanders has pulled out of the Democratic primary, leaving most likely Joe Biden to be the Democratic candidate for president. So he is my inspiration for Eric's dad jokes of the day. I have three. Uh, They are. I'm regressing a little bit more towards the dad joke. Cheesy style. I apologize or you're welcome, depending on what kind of joke you like.
0: No, you're just gonna need to apologize ahead of time.
1: Hey, hey, wait till you hear him before before you start criticizing. Okay. Okay. First one: a tattoo shop in Vermont is currently offering free tattoos of the outline of Bernie Sanders. They're calling it a Gramp stamp.
2: <laughs> no. Nope. I give you a
0: little. No. No, nope. nope. nope.
1: get it. Tramp stamp. Gramp stamp. No. Oh, I, okay. I I get
0: it. I get it. Just not funny.
1: Okay. Thank you. No problem. Well, what do Bernie Sanders supporters call their roommates? Mom and dad.
0: Now that, that is dad joke gold right there. That's a Okay. Best <laughs> one so far. <laughs> one Golden for nugget. two. Golden nugget. Yeah, but, okay. but that one for two, that one that you did get, makes up for the loss. So you're two for two. I'll give you that. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> well, unfortunately, then I'm gonna finish two for three because the last one's the worst. I saved the worst for last. Why does Bernie Sanders need glasses? Because he doesn't have 2020. That's
0: another good one.
1: Oh, you like it? Yeah. It definitely it's definitely in the dad joke style. Yeah, that was definitely dad joke. So okay.
0: two two out of three were were very, very good. The, I'll the take second it that that I mean, first good one you had was that was gold
1: well, if you think about it this way, depending on where you live that sixty six is a d so technically i passed
2: <laughs> technically, technically. the bright side right
1: i just i i got through the class that's all that matters hey
0: this is a sports podcast in baseball sixty six percent is you're batting six sixty you're you're doing good
1: Hey, you know what? Sixty-six percent completion percentage is pretty good too. It's so, no Drew Brees, but sixty-six
0: <laughs> percent field goal percentage too in the NBA is even better. So I'd say you're doing pretty good.
2: All about the cup yeah. being half full, man. All about it. I mean, I tell
1: you what—I tell jokes better than Shaq shoots free throws.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Boom! Today joke. you do. Today <laughs> you do. Today's been you don't a good think day. I can,
1: you don't think I'm better than one for two? It's a (laughs) toss-up.
2: It's a coin flip, right? Yeah. No, thank you. Not even.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, since CJ is uh, giving me his usual backhanded compliments, let's go ahead and transition to you. First, your stat of the day, and then we'll move on to Pointless Trivia, where my 4-0 record will go on the line against Remington, the challenger. Yep, we're all gonna right.
0: take him down. To the this. fun the fun fact of the day goes back quite a ways. We're going back to Wilt Chamberlain. Now we we all know that he was one of the greatest. He played in 1,045 games. It's quite a quite a bit, ain't it? Now yeah. here's here's the mind blowing stat: he never fouled out of a single game.
2: What? Wow. There was he a never- season.
1: There was a season in which he averaged 48 and a half minutes a game. Just to let you know, you know what a regulation game is? 48 minutes. Yep. So there was literally a season, I believe it was, what, 62, where he averaged, like, you know, over 50 points a game. There was a season he literally averaged more po- more minutes a game than a full game, and he still never fouled out. That's crazy. That's a good stat. I like that, uh, CJ. If yeah,
0: that in, cool. And he his career average... Was only two fouls per game.
1: Wow. Well, I guess he just didn't play defense.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I but I I I think your your minutes per game. I think that was pretty close to his career average too.
1: Yeah. Wow. I got to hand it to you. My mind is officially blown, CJ. Maybe yeah, maybe he that was- did that. He he is dis- he has crippled me and disabled me. It's like he's, he's thrown a flash bomb grenade at me, Rim. So now is your chance to take me down in pointless trivia. That's
0: it. Go, down. Yep. For his career, Wilt Chamberlain averaged 45.8 points a game. I mean, 45.8 <laughs> minutes per game. That is wow. insane.
1: Nowadays, the league leader is still well below 40 consistently.
0: Yes. yes. In, the mid, in the low to mid 30s. Wow. I believe is, is about the highest you get now, especially with the load management. All right, we ready for some uh, pointless trivia?
1: Let's Holy do it. Ready. We we all know the rules. So I'm going to fir- go number first. I'm going to go <laughs> first.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, man, uh, let's get him. I'm
1: not going to need a tiebreaker anyway. So.
0: You better hope not because I don't think you I, can get it.
1: I'm going to eat crow the moment I lose. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, let's see. Pick a number one. we're gonna do four questions a piece, but I've got nine questions for you to pick from. So pick a number one through nine.
1: Is there a certain topic at all or is it just just generic sporting world questions?
0: It's sports topic.
1: Okay <laughs> well let's go five
0: number five. All right, this is. You have to give me two out of the four. You'll get four choices. Two of these will be correct answers. You got to give me both of them. Okay? Okay. What two coaches won both the Rose Bowl and the Super Bowl?
1: Okay. Uh, and no multiple choice, right?
0: Yes. It will be multiple choice. Okay. Thank just you. you. All right.
1: <laughs> Eric's like, oh, God.
0: I, I was just going to see if you were going to give it a shot. All right. Your first choice, Dick Vermeil. B is Pete Carroll, C is Tom Coughlin, and D is Barry Switzer.
1: So, Jimmy Johnson didn't win both. I guess he didn't win the Rose Bowl. Okay, so I'm going to go with Pete Carroll and what were the last two? Tom Coughlin, Tom Coughlin and,
0: and Barry Switzer.
1: I am going to go
0: with Barry Switzer. That is incorrect. And who was your first choice? Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll. That one was correct. He won the Rose Bowl with USC. USC, yeah. And then the Super Bowl with the Seahawks. Barry Switzer is incorrect. Rim for the steal. Uh, Dick Vermeil or Tom Coughlin. Coughlin. That is also incorrect. No point awarded. Wow. I, I didn't like. Go ahead. He won with the Rams. He won the Super Bowl with the Rams and he won the Rose Bowl with UCLA when his 11th ranked Bruins upset the number one ranked Ohio State Buckeyes, coached by the great Woody Hayes.
1: Okay. All right. A little bit before my era. Old school Just college football is probably my weak point.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, now I know. I didn't have I have a...
1: to...
2: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. He done messed up good. now, AA Ron. That's right. AA Ron. <laughs>
0: All right, Remington, picking number one through nine. Let's go with six. Number six. Who has the most consecutive WrestleMania wins? This is multiple choice. A, Brock Lesnar. B, John Cena. C, Hulk Hogan. Or D, The Undertaker.
2: I've got it down to two people. Uh,
0: who who are you eliminating?
2: Wanna, I'm going to take The Undertaker out of it. And I'm going to go with... Let, let, let's go with the classic, man. Hulk Hogan.
1: That is incorrect.
2: Uh, I knew it was the other one. I knew it. All right, Eric.
1: I'm going to go with The Undertaker.
2: That is correct. Uh, All Eric right. Man,
0: that was the first one. Rim eliminated. And... yeah. Mm, I was thinking Uh, Cena. As soon as you eliminated the Undertaker, I was like, ooh, that
2: would hurt my soul. Should have known. Should have gone for him, man.
1: I'll take my one point. That'll be the only point I ever get from WrestleMania.
2: WrestleMania. (laughs) This guy,
1: (laughs) CJ, I think is planning to beat me because he picked two of the things I'm worst at.
2: Um, Oh, he's doing good job so far. Two of the three
1: things. WWE, old school college football, and telling dad jokes. (laughs)
2: <laughs> the trifecta.
0: the Undertaker won 21 consecutive Wrestlemania matches wow 21 consecutive Legends. that's yes. that's an right, interesting
1: Eric. script that somebody wrote
0: hey okay. well either way <laughs> I mean because you
1: know his 21 consecutive Wrestlemania victories that was planned out
0: Oh, definitely. Definitely. There's no denying it.
1: Okay, well, I've seen and I've run into some ridiculous professional wrestling fans who still cannot accept the fact that it's predetermined and and in some way, shape, or form fake. That being said, we would all break in half if we ever tried to do that. So you have to be a special kind of athlete still.
0: Oh, yeah, they're very, very athletic. All right, Eric with a one-point lead and Mm. control of the board. Okay, goal. let me go nine. Number nine. Who has the record for the most hits in a Major League Baseball season? This is multiple choice. A, Pete Rose. B, Ichiro Suzuki. C, Ty Cobb. Or D, Jose Altuve.
1: Um, I'm going to go
0: B. Ichiro Suzuki is correct. He had 262 hits in 2004. So okay. eric got a... Commanding three to nothing lead, Rim. Mm-hmm. You better yeah, man. You better All right, step let's go. it up,
2: pal. So let's go with number two.
0: Number two. Ooh, this is an easy one. This is probably the easiest question on the board. In right. baseball in baseball, what determines who bats first?
2: If you're the away team?
0: That is correct.
2: I was like, is it that simple?
0: It, it, it was very simple. <laughs> Luck of the draw, Eric. <laughs> All right, you have a one-point okay. lead. All right. clinging <laughs> <laughs> into it. All right. For well, those let's of you who are go. not watching the live feed, Eric is shaking his head in disappointment.
1: <laughs> okay, now, let's do number eight.
0: Number eight. What NBA coach has the most coaching victories? Multiple choice. A. Greg Popovich. B. Don Nelson. C. Pat Riley. Or D. Phil Jackson.
1: Don Nelson.
0: That is correct. With 1,335 career victories.
2: Well done. Well done, sir. Back to that three point lead. Now I can breathe easier. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You give him another, like, you know. I'm
0: not giving it two, to him. He's what, picking the number.
1: What's it called when somebody hits a baseball over the
2: <laughs> over the <laughs> back of the <laughs> field?
1: Oh, it's a, it's a home run.
2: Hey. So, so which, which question was that? Four? No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what happens right, when so a. You have,
2: you have
0: number three, number four, and number seven to choose from. Let's do number four. Go number down. four. What is the title given to the NBA player who receives the, I may not pronounce this right, the Maurice Podoloff trophy?
2: The Maurice Podoloff. Um, hmm. Would that be Defensive Player of the Year?
0: That is incorrect. Ooh. Eric, for the steal. Most improved player. That is also incorrect. It is the MVP trophy.
2: Oh, I was going (laughs) to... Oh,
1: okay. Okay. Yeah, we shouldn't do that. That's. Yeah,
2: I I wanted to guess that one, but I was like, no, no way. It's it's a little
0: confusing because of the lack of name recognition on the trophy.
1: Yeah. Okay. Eric? Let me go lucky number seven.
0: Number seven. Oh, this is, this will wrap up Eric's victory. Oh, dang. I should have picked it. Name the athlete to play in both the World Series and the Super Bowl.
1: The athlete to play in both the World Series and the Super Bowl. Uh Uh-oh. I'm going to go with Deion Sanders.
0: That is correct. You know, I'm very disappointed that it took you that long to answer.
1: I just had to make sure Bo Jackson – It was Bo Jackson or Deion Sanders. I just wanted to make sure it's like okay. I don't think Bo Jackson played in both. So
0: really, if you
1: if you talk about like high end professional athletes that starred in two sports, it's a very short list.
0: Yeah, very very short list, and not only played in both leagues but excelled tremendously. Yeah. Now Deion wasn't a a great baseball player, but Bo Jackson is going to be the the top.
1: Yep. Top Bo Jackson is the, is the only professional athlete to be an all-star in two sports. He was a Pro Bowl running back in the NFL and an all-star in the major leagues.
0: That's
1: correct. That, that's a phenomenal athlete right there.
0: Now, I'm kind of curious because I'm a huge NASCAR fan, so the tiebreaker was going to be a NASCAR question. I wanted to see if either one of you could answer it correctly. Okay. <laughs> Even <laughs> though hear. Eric's already already wrapped it up. All right. Technically it's Ram's question, so you get the first shot. All right, let's do well, it. Well, it's it's not a NASCAR. it's a racing question. All right. Okay. What what race is held every year on Memorial Day? It's A the Daytona five hundred, B the Indianapolis five hundred, or C the Coca-Cola six hundred?
2: B. Memorial Day? You think it's B? I was gonna say A.
1: No, it's not Daytona
2: daytona is in february yeah. february
1: daytona is like kind of what kicks off the season
2: you know you're nascar a little bit
1: a little bit i used to think it was interesting and then i got my license and i realized how easy it was to drive in a circle
2: <laughs> so you think it's <laughs> Sorry, is it b? I, don't, I,
1: know, I know cj I, I, i'm not 100 percent sure i think it's b what's the answer cj it is b okay
0: We've got it.
1: Well, technically, the Indianapolis 500 is not NASCAR.
0: I said it's racing. Racing. I changed it to racing.
1: Okay, we'll we'll take it (coughs) five and (laughs) zero.
2: We have to come up with something next week where I can uh, get you out of that captain seat, man. I'm gonna have to come up with some challenging questions on our next one.
1: Don't worry, there will be a day that I regret regret being this obnoxious and arrogant. That day. (laughs) That day is just not today. (laughs) (laughs) And just to let you know, they're both laughing at me and rolling their eyes to the audience that's not watching.
2: Never, never.
1: Now it is time to jump into our NFL mock draft. This is a three-part series. Today, we're going to do picks one through ten. Each of us has been assigned three to four teams, and we're going to act as the front office for that team, making the decision for who to pick. I I'm number one with the Bengals. Are you ready to get started?
0: You are on the clock, sir.
1: Okay. With the number one overall pick, this is the easiest pick in the draft. I choose Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, 6'4", 216 pounds, quarterback from LSU. Joe Burrow, this past season, won a national championship, a Heisman Trophy, and put up arguably the best statistical season we've seen in college football. He threw four, 60 touchdowns, six interceptions, The 60 touchdowns being a NCAA Division I record. He also ran for five more touchdowns. He threw for 5,671 yards in 15 games, number one in the nation, and had a 76.3% completion percentage. Absolutely mind-blowing. Just statistics alone tell you this guy has NFL potential. Now, the questions I have about Joe Burrow, one might say he doesn't have an incredible arm. For me personally, he has enough of an arm. His arm is just as strong as Tom Brady's or Peyton Manning's or Drew Brees coming out of college. Not that I'm saying he's that type of player, but he has the requisite arm strength. He's not Matthew Stafford, but he has more than enough to make every NFL throw and enough velocity to get there. Question is, is he not a ramped-up version of Mitch Trubisky? Mitch Trubisky was drafted number two overall after one season starting at the University of North Carolina. He had an excellent season, but he didn't have the proven track record. Was that one season a fluke? And in hindsight, you might, you might argue that because the two quarterbacks picked after him were Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. So one team... The Chicago Bears in this instance overvalued that highly successful season and over and they chose that over somebody like Deshaun Watson, who showed flaws in his game, but was highly productive for repeated seasons and more successful in the college level. Joe Burrow in 2018, while he was a two year starter after transferring from Ohio State to LSU, he only threw for twenty eight hundred ninety four yards, sixteen touchdowns and five interceptions. His completion percentage was 57.8%, so nearly 20 percentage points lower than what it was in 2019. Which Joe Burrow are we getting? Are we getting the Joe Burrow of last year, who broke records, or are we getting the Joe Burrow of the year before, who while he was relatively efficient and he had a decent touchdown to interception ratio, he was exceptionally conservative. He did not take risk. He didn't throw into tight windows, and he didn't throw the ball down the field, as evidenced by his yards per attempt. He averaged 7.6 yards per attempt in 2018, but that skyrocketed to 10.8 in 2019. So those really, that's really the only question, is as incredible as he was last year, was that the outlier, or was that the Joe Burrow of the future? So I did a little bit of research, and I dived further into the numbers to see if I could have something that convinced me he was going to be a star on the NFL level. I decided to look at QBR under pressure. This takes out how good of an offensive line somebody has. This takes out the fact that Joe Burrow was throwing to two to three NFL receivers and a potential NFL tight end in Randy Moss's son. Throwing under pressure means you are being brought down to the ground or you have somebody in your face and you're still able to stand your ground and deliver an accurate pass. Even if your receiver is open, but you're still able to hit that receiver in stride, that tells me a lot about you. The FBS, which is Division I football average for QBR under pressure, is 11.8. Just to give you some reference, to give you a reference point. Justin Herbert has a QBR under pressure of 16.3. Love has a QBR under pressure of 18.9. Tua Tokovaloa has a QBR under pressure of 44.1, which is pretty special. Do you want to know what Joe Burrow's was? 82.6. The national average was 11. That means Joe Burrow was seven to eight times better than the national average. So this stat has been tracked since 2011. And since 2011, only one quarterback in history, or in that period of time, has had a QBR under pressure of over 56. That was Sam Darnold, 68.4 in 2016. So it's just, I mean, just think about those numbers in perspective. So what that tells me, yes, Joe Burrow is throwing to talented receivers. Nobody questions his ability to run offense. Nobody questions his accuracy, 76 point, uh, 76% completion percentage. But when he has somebody in his face, and these are SEC defenders, he delivers a ball on time, accurate, without turning the ball over, better than anybody in history. His numbers under pressure last year, He had an average yard per attempt of 11.4. So he actually threw the ball down the field more than he did normally. If if you have questions about his arm strength, how can a guy have such a high yards per attempt and have such a high completion percentage down the field when somebody's in his face? That means he's throwing off his back foot and still succeeding. He also threw for 20 touchdowns and two interceptions. That means he has the same 10-to-1 interception ratio. You can dive into further numbers all you want, but that one number is all I really needed to know. That answered my one question. I wanted to know what Joe Burrow was real and whether or not the caliber of his weapons affected his ability to perform. So there's a reason he is the hands-down number one overall pick. You knew that coming into this podcast, but I just wanted to, to give you some statistics to put into context truly how special of a talent he is. He is the best quarterback prospect to come out since Andrew Luck. The only thing separating him from Andrew Luck is the fact that Andrew Luck was productive for several seasons, whereas Joe Burrow only has one high-level season.
0: I think one small thing that you hit on, but is very important of that QBR under pressure, you mentioned that it was against SEC defenses, but... Those are future NFL players on most of those SEC defenses. And he's still putting those numbers up. There's no arguing that he's first of all, the top quarterback in the draft. And well, I wouldn't say he's the top player in the draft because that'll go to somebody that's getting picked very soon, but it it's with the the need at quarterback for the Bengals, it's a no no brainer. He's he's going to be miles better in his
2: rookie season, I think, than Andy Dalton
0: ever has been in his
2: career. Agreed. Yeah, I, I think my only concern with him at all is just, you know, he he's a little bit more of a slender frame, and, you know, he does have a slightly aggressive running style. So, I mean, you know, that would – injury in that point, you know, just would be my only concern with him. But, I mean, outside of that, man, I mean, you know, I, I would take him number one in a heartbeat, especially yeah, – I mean, he, their situation
1: his frame is really no different than tom brady's i think i don't think he'll be a runner yes he ran in college some but i think he'll be a pocket passer on the nfl level
2: and I agree. I, he's
1: at, one thing if you actually look at his tape he actually he has deceptive mobility within the pocket yeah again i'm not saying he is this person but it reminds me of peyton manning his ability to without taking his eyes Like he off his primary receiver, he still looks downfield and is able to negate negate the pass rush simply by sidestepping, stepping stepping up, climbing in the pocket or dropping back. He's not Lamar Jackson breaking people's ankles, but in some ways he's just as hard to sack.
0: Well, I think like we talked about in our pre-show meeting, we Rem mentioned Aaron Rodgers and his mobility, and I think that that's probably the closest comparison that, that we can find more so than Peyton Manning just because you look at Aaron Rodgers and you don't see a mobile quarterback. But when you watch him play and the tackle box breaks down, the defense is crashing on him, and he breaks, breaks off the run, he, he's picking up first downs when they need it, and it's it. I see a lot of that in Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow is just a little bit faster.
1: So Joe Burrow is off the board, and now we are on to the number two overall pick. CJ, you're on the clock.
0: And with the number two overall pick in the 2020 draft, the Washington Redskins select Chase Young, defensive end from Ohio State, The Ohio State University. This kid is probably one of the best defensive end prospects we've seen in years. He's won, this past season, he won almost every major defensive award. He was suspended for two games and still put up 16 and a half sacks. Suspended two games and put up all American numbers. The way he moves for somebody his size, is incredible. He doesn't really have many moves to beat the offensive lineman, but his instincts to get around them still outweigh that. But the bull rush and the swim move and all that stuff can be taught from his position coach in the NFL. None of that concerns me. I think this is the most sure prospect in the entire draft. The Redskins, they do have quite a few needs with Trent Williams leaving on the offensive line. They they could possibly go that route, but with somebody uh, of Chase Young's caliber, I don't. I think if they pass up on him, and four or five, ten years later they look back, it'll it'll be one of the biggest one of the biggest blunders in draft history because I think he could possibly be a hall of fame player.
1: Who would you compare him to?
0: Uh, Julius Peppers.
1: That's, that was who I was thinking.
0: I I think with the, the size and the speed and just the freak of nature mobility, I think he compares a lot to Julius Peppers when he came out of
2: North Carolina. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking kind of that Peppers, Jadavian Clowney kind of area. You know, obviously, had, had Clowney, you know what I mean, actually been fine and, and not sustained injury after injury, you know I mean? He, he could have been a great.
1: I agree. I think the thing I actually like more about Clowney, I mean more about Young, is his bend. So the ab- flexibility and the ability to bend is so critical to a pass rusher. That's mm-hmm. what makes Von Miller so special. Yes, he ran a sub four five forty coming out. Like he's yes, he's physically superbly talented, but his natural ability to bend around the corner, to be almost at a forty five degree angle, yet still run full speed around that tackle, that's one of the rare things that Young has. And that ability, you have a lot of four five 40, 260 and sixty pound guys in the NFL. Well, or a lot maybe not, but you have dozens of them. You don't have guys that are two hundred and sixty-five pounds that have that same speed, but the ability to rush the passer full speed, two feet off the ground, well below yeah. you know, and so if you can get under a six foot six right tackle, he's at your will. So I, I, I love that pick. I'm sorry, Rim, that he's off the board, but for the third pick, who do you have?
2: So, for the third pick in the draft, the Detroit Lions are going to scoop up Jeff Okuda. Uh, So, you know, we're talking an Ohio State cornerback here. Uh, Last season, you know, he had 35 tackles, three interceptions, nine pass breakups. Uh, He's a 6'1", 205-pound athlete. Uh, Really a shutdown corner, total package skill set here. Super explosive athlete quick feet he's got great speed and his hops are extraordinary as well you know i mean he's a former five-star recruit first team all-american just with his size the ability to aggressively play press coverage he's got excellent man-to-man skills as well so he'll really fit into the package well uh he actually ended up basically just just being one of those guys who can you know all around take care of the coverage as well as make those big plays the only real issue and kind of watch out that we're having here for him is run support, but obviously that can be learned as well as just getting his head around a little bit better on those defensive plays to add to his, his picks. Uh, in his first two seasons, I know that he had um, zero interceptions playing a rotational role, but with, with the setup, he, he has the skill set to be an outstanding corner. And obviously, you know we we need somebody to replace uh, Darius Slay.
1: Yeah, I've got no arguments whatsoever. I, th- I see Patrick Peterson, Stephon Gilmore potential, and if you could land that level of corner, I don't care if you draft him number one, it's worth it. Do you disagree, exactly. CJ?
0: I do not disagree whatsoever. I think he's he's a phenomenal uh, cornerback and a. Finalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. I mean, playing on the same defense. Just think think about this. Chase Young and Jeff Okuda on the same defense.
1: They just went two and three.
0: Yeah. And and Nick Bosa was on the team with them last year. Oh, my God. <laughs> Imagine how terrified you have to be in the Big Ten knowing that that those three players are on the other side of the line.
1: Seriously, just think about as a quarterback, you have Bosa and Young coming after you, and then your number one corner, or I mean your number one receiver is just completely shut out of the game. What hope did you have?
0: And not only is he a ball hawk, but he also forced two fumbles and had 35 tackles. So he's not just a one-trick pony. He's snatching the ball. He's peanut punching like Charles Tillman and yeah. he's wrapping up and making the tackles. So I don't think th- there's very few holes in his game. Yeah. He's probably think, one of the, one of the more complete corners in that aspect that we've seen since maybe Stefan Gilmore.
1: Yeah. I think he, as Rem alluded to, he occasionally will have like technique issues or lapses with tackling, but at six, one, two Oh five and an aggressive mentality, he has everything you need. He just needs a, from a tackling standpoint, he just needs a little bit of refinement. But I mean, he's in his early twenties. What will he be like when he's 26?
2: Exactly. He has, he has all the capability to be a, a number one corner in the league. There's, there's no doubt about that.
0: Yeah. I think he can be a number one corner from day one.
2: I and and I agree. In. I mean, I think kind, of, like
1: Tredavis, that. kind of how Tredavious and White I mean, came in and immediately was a Pro Bowler. I think he's that. He's got that kind of potential. And actually, the comparison's not that far fetched because Tredavious White struggled a little bit in run support early on. The difference yeah. is, and, I mean, that's Tredavious White was a little thinner and didn't quite have the same bulk.
2: Right. Yeah, and I mean, at, at that bulk, he still runs a four-four-eight.
1: Yeah, that's plenty fast enough.
2: Not oh, yeah, White, I mean.
1: But it's enough to keep up with any receiver. And like, I'm, uh, the, best, put it, it's the best corner that I've ever seen. So I didn't really get to see Deion Sanders. The best corner I've ever seen is Darrell Revis and Revis Island. And that's roughly the same 40 times Darrell Revis ran. So it's fast exactly. enough. It's, more, it's, oh, it's yeah. fast enough to keep up with virtually any receiver in the league. Yeah, occasionally he might get burnt by Tyreek Hill. But so will every other player in the league.
0: Exactly. There's exactly. there's really no no player that's going to have that complete of a game and elite speed. And if you find them, they'll probably go number 1 in the draft. Yeah. Yeah,
2: for real.
1: Okay, for the number 4 overall pick, the New York Giants select Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson. I didn't list his position because you could call him linebacker, rush linebacker, safety. middle linebacker, safety. I mean, quarterback, no, maybe not quarterback.
2: <laughs> so
1: Isaiah Simmons is six foot four, 230 pounds. He runs a 4'3, 9'40, and an incredible plus 40 vertical. The day he walks into the NFL, assuming he plays linebacker, he will be the fastest and most athletic linebacker in the league from day one. Technically, the Giants have a bigger need at tackle. They desperately need to protect Daniel Jones, who they selected six overall last year. But I feel like at number four, that's just a little bit of a reach at tackle. There are three high-end tackles in this draft class, but there's not quite your guaranteed, bona fide, surefire Hall of Famer. There's guys that you would assume will become pro bowlers, but with Isaiah Simmons, I don't think there's any question he will instantly rejuvenate your defense. His scheme versatility is unlike any player I've ever seen. This is a gentleman who can legitimately rush the passer, rush, rush the passer. He can cover the middle of the field. You could drop him deep into coverage. I guess I would compare him as a hybrid. He's got a little bit of Brian Erlacher and that Brian Erlacher played safety in college, moved to middle linebacker in the NFL. And what made him rare is he was a six foot four, two hundred and fifty pound linebacker who could run and cover the middle of the field like a safety. Isaiah Simmons has that same capability. The only criticism I would have is I don't think he'll ever be a Luke Kuechly in that he he routinely gets 150 tackles a year. I see him more as a 100 to 110 tackle linebacker who also gives you five or six sacks, three interceptions, forces a few fumbles. He's just your Swiss Army knife that you play all over the field. Maybe not quite. He doesn't quite have the elite-level instincts that, again, like a Luke Kuechly might have. The difference is he almost runs his 40 time is almost two tenths of a second faster. So even if he diagnoses the play a hair later, he's got the makeup and recovery speed to get there in time. So that's my pick at number four overall. Again, tackle is definitely the biggest need, but I think he is the the fourth best player in the draft, and I think it drops fairly significantly after that so you take the best player you find a tackle elsewhere
0: and i just want to say he's probably my favorite player in this draft class just because of his speed and power and his ability to play anywhere on the defense just about except the the line and one player comparison that i think of is derwin james of the chargers
2: a bigger version
0: yeah yeah great and especially with the speed and the the way the Chargers use Derwin James is genius. The way they move him around and match him up with different players, I think the Giants are going to be able to do the same thing with
1: Simmons. And, the no, I will say, I do think his – bet he is – technically, you could list him at safety. You could list him at a number of different positions. I think he's a linebacker in the NFL. I just think yeah, he – Yeah, I agree. And so – but he's got the frame. So I, I mentioned B- Brian Erlacher. Brian Erlacher's playing weight was 6'4", and he was 6'4", 250. But when he came out of college, he was a safety. He was 6'4", 225, 230. He ran a 4'5". Isaiah was a safety who was 6'4", 230, runs a sub 4'4". I see that as his future. Although he's not going to get as many tackles as Brian Erlacher. I think he's a little more of a dynamic playmaker. Brian Urlacher had speed and instincts, but he didn't have the overall explosiveness explosiveness that Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons has. I mean, literally no linebacker in the league does. So I don't know if his playing style is Brian Urlacher. It's almost like if you took Brian Urlacher's size and deep coverage ability, and you put Derwin James's versatility into one player, how do you not take that guy if he's available at fourth overall?
0: Yeah. Yeah, and another player you can look at is Thomas Davis. When he came out of Georgia, he played safety in college, and the Panthers drafted him, moved into linebacker, and he had a phenomenal career considering he had, what, three knee surgeries on torn ACLs, and he came back from after those three and still produced Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl numbers. I think if he would have stayed healthy, he would have been closer to – what
2: isaiah Simmons could be,
1: yeah, yeah any any thoughts, rem
2: uh honestly man there there's nothing in there I don't disagree with, I mean, at the end of the day uh, he he's another example of just one of those players that it can completely change the landscape of your team, and i I think picking him up is is probably the best decision. I know you kept saying that you know tackle was a huge need, but you you'd be a waste, you know he would definitely not be on the board by the time you get back around. <laughs>
1: oh
0: no yeah and, shot and we talked about chase young being a freak athlete but Isaiah Simmons just puts him to shame when it comes to freak of nature yeah,
2: yeah. That, that's a whole other level right there it really is I mean it's a little ridiculous
1: I mean if you think about from a, the guy the guy plays linebacker we just talked about the corner who was supposedly going to be all world went third overall at 205 pounds and ran a four This guy six four two thirty and ran a four three nine. Yeah, that's just mind blowing.
2: Yeah, I'm almost a tenth faster, in and that size. I mean, that that would be a
1: a forty isn't everything. I I I think in previous episodes I've talked about how I view a forty time as more of a confirmation. If this guy, you know, if a guy has questionable speed and then he goes and runs a questionable forty, that's a concern. If a guy is known for having blazing speed and he shows that in his 40 time, then it's a confirmation. He shows that speed on tape. So yeah. all that did was – I don't know if I quite expected him to run in the fourth but you knew he was the fastest linebacker in the country.
0: Oh, yeah. And, and i to confirm that. The sure. game that kind of solidified that for me this year was when he played against our Tar Heels that went down to the wire, he was – scaring the dog crap out of me every time i saw him on the field it was like he was chasing <laughs> down our receivers our running backs he was sacking sam how it just the way that he plays everywhere it it like you said earlier it reminds me of luke keekley brian urlacher thomas davis derwin james think of the the range of those players and he's fits the bill for all four of those
1: yeah so i think we're all in agreement with that pick then number five overall cj who do you have
0: well i have the dolphins picking a quarterback and up which until one? recent up until recently i think everybody was leaning more towards tua but i think i think they're going to go with justin herbert out of oregon he's six foot six 236 pounds which is Pretty much the prototypical quarterback size. He he might be an inch or two taller than than what you would really want, but I think six six is borderline too tall. I think the only quarterback that really played much taller than that was Joe Flacco or Roethlisberger. But Roethlisberger
1: six five, but yeah, Flacco six six and he won a Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, but he ran a four six eight forty. I think that was one of the. If not the top at his position, it was second or third. He's want, very, Can I
1: tell you something to blow your mind real fast? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. That's the same forty time as Mark Ingram. Wow. And yep. he's a five nine running back.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. Now,
1: go ahead. Sorry,
0: Herbert. Herbert's. Uh, he's been. Because of his college productivity, he was listed behind Tua and maybe Jordan Love out of Utah State. But after his pro day at Oregon, he's shown improved footwork. He's He worked under center with the scouts, and he's got a cannon. He stood – the Miami Dolphins scout asked him where he thought thought he should stand to throw. And the scout said the 50-yard line. Now, granted, Justin Herbert's throwing from the end zone. Justin laughed at him. He said, I can (laughs) throw further than that. He threw the ball 62 yards.
1: That's that's an arm
2: right there. That's an arm. that, That is a cannon. And
0: the biggest reason I have him over Tua is Tua's injury history. Two teams, two NFL teams, have failed him in pre-draft physicals. That information just came out today. He's had wow. he's had surgery on his hip, on his ankle, and I believe his wrist slash hand. He's had a knee injury. That man is needs to be in a wheelchair in a rest home somewhere because he's got the body of an 80-year-old man, and that scares me. There's no yep. way if I was any team in the NFL, I'm not taking him in the first round period.
1: Can now I ask if, who, who would you take if Tua was healthy? I'm just curious. That's obviously if, not the case, but
0: if Tua was healthy, I would take Tua just because of his pedigree, his leadership, the way he led the Alabama offense and his mobility and arm strength are just, they're great. But I can't put him behind a line and expect the line to to block every single pass rusher because I'm scared if he gets hit one time in the NFL, he'll be done for the season.
1: Okay. Can I, can I tell you a couple of my concerns about Herbert and then just kind of see what you say in response? Sure. So I do like him. I would pick him in the top ten. Um, I think what he does well, you're right, he's got – great size he has incredible timed and measurable athleticism he has the arm to throw it all over the field he is a four-year starter and while he hasn't had a ridiculous 60 touchdown season he has been productive my question is it's two things one i haven't seen the ability to react and anticipate i think he's a quarterback if you put him in a system that's designed a certain way like he could be jimmy garoppolo on steroids because that system doesn't ask him to audible at the line of scrimmage or to really look beyond his second or third option. I don't know. I don't see him looking through his progressions like he should. He's more of a somewhat predetermined passer. Now, on the right system, that can obviously work. And he, he has the experience to succeed. So, again, that might limit his ceiling. I think he's more of a system quarterback, even if he's ready for that system on day one. But another question, and I actually found this statistic when I was looking up Joe Burrow. Justin Herbert is known for having a strong arm, but he had a 38.6% miss percentage on deep passes. That means of all the deep passes he threw, almost 40% of them were uncatchable balls. There have only been three first-round picks in the last 10 years that were worse than this. And one of them is Josh Josh Rosen. Is that a concern that's supposed to be a strength of his? And he's not known as a improvisational quarterback. Is is that you know? Is that a red flag that he's known? As, he's a strong arm quarterback who misses frequently deep downfield. There are a lot of things to like about him, but I see those as part of the reason that I might rather take the risk on Tua as opposed to Herbert. What do you think?
0: I don't think that is enough of a reason to to take Tua over Herbert. It's definitely a concern, but I think once you go from college where you've got to balance school and football to the NFL and the pros where your your job, your life, everything is NFL, you have all the time in the world to work with your receivers and, and your playmakers on timing and your chemistry to be able to adjust your power to fit the offense that that's that's around you, and then it's also up to the Dolphins to tailor that offense to fit what he can do. So it's it's not too hard to fix that problem. I and I see him a lot as a Carson Wentz uh, type okay. player when when he uh when he, when he gets to the league. Yep.
1: Yeah, okay. I mean, it's, it's a it's a good pick. It's an interesting pick. I think that's the first pick where we do have some actual debate, at least.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And if Tua can, can prove that he can stay healthy, then I see no problem with the Dolphins taking him. But that injury history scares me away from him. Yeah.
1: So that means that Tua is still on the board and Remington – you are on the clock with the sixth overall pick.
2: Yeah. So for the sixth overall pick for the L.A. Chargers, I'm going to take Tua Tungavola. Essentially, uh, I I know we we literally just did a deep dive on you know trying to throw out a few of the comparisons, a few of the the issues we have with them. So I'm going to make it brief here. But uh, he's a six foot, two hundred seventeen pounds passer it, it, as far as total package he's got everything you could possibly want from a qb perspective especially coming into the nfl really and truly you're, you're talking quick decision making amazing ability to read coverage and instantly make decisions uh pairing those critical mental attributes with you know a tight compact throwing motion so he gets the ball out quickly in short to intermediate areas, uh, he he's literally throwing two receivers in stride away from those big hits to protect them as well. Uh, he can actually pick up yards with his legs too. I wouldn't call him elite in that level, obviously, but I know he rushed for 340 yards and nine touchdowns in his career. Uh, in those terms, uh, as far as intangibles go, uh, great poise, toughness, and leadership. I mean, there's no question on him being able to lead his team, and and the biggest thing that we're all really concerned with here um is those injuries but i mean as far as showing what he can do he did it he actually finished with the highest passer rating to to ever come out of you know college football 199.4 uh, 10.9 yards per attempt and 87 touchdowns with only 11 picks to go along with that so i mean you you're talking incredible division 1 stats as far as history goes um a 12.7% Touchdown percentage that that's literally first in division one history by two points. So, I, I think the chance is there, especially given you know us getting rid of Mr. Rivers. You know, that one still hurts, but with the team that we have set up, Tyrod can't Taylor cannot take us where we need to go. So, I mean, I think taking this chance, even though you know, as CJ pointed out, that huge injury in November. Uh, You know, he's had plenty of other injuries to go along with that. Uh, As far as that goes, in the past two seasons, I think he's had a high ankle sprain and he actually had, um, what was it? Uh, I believe something with his foot and uh, both of those ended up having to do a tightrope procedure to correct that issue. So with, with durability really being the only question with this guy, I think, you know, his him coming back to workouts in a full Workout since and only four months since an injury is a little bit sketchy for me, but at the end of the day, I think as long as he can come out of that, I I think he's going to be a monster. Yeah, what do you guys think?
1: Was that 199? Was that from 2018? Yeah, so technically that was broken. Joe Burrow broke that last year, but I think you make a good point using that number because so I mean, clearly. You guys know how I feel about Joe Burrow, right? I spent 2 hours talking to him earlier on the pod, talking talking about him earlier you on. Talk
0: the podcast. Him? You talk to yeah, talked to him? You talked to Joe Burrow and you yeah. didn't tell me.
1: Was pretty chill. He told me he, he specifically said don't tell CJ that we talked. So I guess I I broke confidence.
0: You know that that really that really breaks my heart.
1: <laughs> so Joe Burrow's ridiculous like mind-blowing season last year. His his quarterback rating was two hundred and two. So what? You, essentially, as much time as we spent hyping up Joe Burrow, Tua was equally efficient in two thousand eighteen, his last fully healthy season. So I think I mean I even though he Joe Burrow broke that record, I think it helps the argument for Tua because to, I guess we, none of us are really are questioning peak Tua and his ability to succeed, right? No, not at all. It's it's
0: just, that no, that I mean, injury it, right? history is yeah. just terrifying.
2: Yeah, and I mean, not to mention, I mean, the, the man made one of the greatest throws to ever be done in, in college football.
1: And worst case, well, you what do you think about the fact that you may have to wait a year to start him, Rim?
2: I, I mean, honestly, if you look at the Chargers team, the only real age issue as far as that offense goes is Keenan Allen. But he's literally been the ageless wonder in that sense. I mean, we've seen a, a slight decline there. But, I mean, you've got a very young running back in Eckler. You've got the backup there with uh, Justin Jackson. I mean, obviously, you know, this is a receiver-heavy draft, too. So they're going to probably be able to bolster those ranks. And, I mean, Mike Williams has the speed to get down the field to take care of it. So, I mean, even if you had to wait one year to start him, that just allows for – further rehab in the potential for a franchise quarterback. So I mean I I think it's worth it and I think for that elite level of player, I think taking the chance is kind of what we all have to do. Just like I mean there's no questions on Burrow, but I mean with Herbert just like, you know, with the previous pick, I mean you're taking a chance. Maybe you can go ahead and start him, but is it worth it to to have him sit? I mean, you know, that's I guess that's just a decision you got to make as a GM, right?
1: Yeah. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I I think CJ can put his own opinion in, but I think CJ probably doesn't love it as much because he said he wouldn't draft him in the first round. I think at six overall, I think I would take that risk, especially if I have a serviceable quarterback in Tyrod Taylor. That might be a yeah. little strong, but you could do worse than Tyrod Taylor. So
2: exactly, especially starts, with a strong running game.
1: Yeah. CJ?
0: I, I think with two teams already failing his – pre-draft physical that scares me the most because most of the time if you fail your physical that's very bad signs Um, and with like you said a serviceable quarterback I would go a different route maybe shore up some other weak spots let Tyrod run the offense for the for a year and then in a later round draft maybe a project quarterback and try to develop them instead of taking the 6th pick with quality other options and gambling with it i don't know if i'm I mean, going to take that risk
2: but you could literally be getting a russell wilson isk quarterback you know in, in you this could. setup
0: you could very very much so because they're they're about the same size
2: but and that's what i'm saying you know
0: but the, that injury history—he's brittle. I mean, he's had injuries to literally every part of his body, and that scares me to death.
2: And, I agree, and, and, but and, he is a smart CJ's quarterback.
0: Point,
1: he is. But to CJ's point, he also has had those injuries behind Alabama's vaunted de- or vaunted offensive line.
0: Yeah, it's not like he's taking monster hits, minus the one that—I mean, the one that broke his hip. Wasn't even a hard hit. The dude just landed on top of him, and he crumbled. That's scary. I mean, he's got the bones of an eighty-five-year-old man.
2: The next Tony Romo. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's but Tony if, you get, if you get if you get Tony career.
1: Romo's career, you'd be happy with that.
2: He did I, I Tom, Romo more... didn't
0: come into the league with an injury history like Tua did.
2: Yeah. No. You're okay that one.
1: Well, I, um, I'll, we'll move on to number seven, but I think I, rim. I think it's worth the risk. CJ clearly doesn't. Time will tell. <laughs> so, number seven overall, the Carolina Panthers select Derek Brown, defensive tackle out of Auburn. Let me preface this by saying, if this wasn't a mock draft, I would take Javon Kinlaw over Derek Brown. They're the same size. You know, we don't know the measurables of Ken Lott because he did not actually go to the combine. I think he has more quick twitch ability. He has better pass rushing skills. I personally would take him here. But the consensus is he's going to go somewhere in the middle of the first round. The, I project the Carolina Panthers to select Derrick Brown, even if I like Derek Brown, even if I like Ken Lott better. So with Derrick Brown, he's 6'5", 326 pounds. He ran a five one six forty, which at that weight, again, think about it this way, that's a tenth of a second faster than Tom Brady, and he literally weighs more than 100 pounds more. So that's a pretty fast 40 time for a man of that size. What he does bring to the table is, is massive size, power, and disruption. He has incredibly powerful hands. He's got the ability to hold the point of attack against a double team to bull rush and collapse the pocket. He has the lateral agility and speed to play up and down the line of scrimmage. He is an elite run stopper who does bring pass rushing potential, but I view him. He's more of a interior pressure player than he is a sack artist. He only got four sacks last year, despite having 12 and a half tackles for losses. And the reason he doesn't convert a lot of his pressures into sacks one, he doesn't have that quick twitch ability. He runs a pretty good 40. He does move well laterally, but he doesn't have that shake or that explosive first, second, second, and third step off the line. He also plays a little bit upright. His technique when rushing to passer is raw. He's more of simply a bull rusher with a club move. And at 6'5", he doesn't play with proper pad level. He's big enough, talented enough, strong enough to get away with it. But the high-end tackles in today's league have that quick twitch ability and are sack artists. That's why I like Ken Law better. Um, he's more consistent. He's a better overall player. He's, be- he's more well-rounded. He's ready to start from day one and maybe even make a Pro Bowl. But I don't see him as a guy that has double-digit sack potential consistently. So for that reason... I personally would wait a little bit to draft him. But the Carolina Panthers, they had the worst run defense in the NFL last year. So for their fit, they probably want the guy that's a better run defender who still brings some pass rush. And he is versatile. He is well-rounded. He is a complete player. He just is a little rough around the edges when rushing the passer. And some of those, like his lack of quick twitch ability, won't improve. Do you guys agree or disagree?
0: I love this pick for the Panthers as a Panther fan. He's my second pick behind Isaiah Simmons for who I would want for the team because this defense, like you said, was last in the NFL in, in rush defense. And then we lose literally almost every player that we had, starter and bench, that played on the defensive line. So we've got to – and then we lose Keekly to retirement at an, at 29 – that the defense is going to take a major hit because in free agency they didn't really bring in any star potential players so I think Derek Brown is going to be the best fit here I mean I you can definitely argue for Ken Law to go at this spot but I think Derek Brown's got that monster mentality to where he can gobble up the double teams and whatnot and help whoever whoever we have play middle linebacker Help them put pressure because like you said he's not a a sack artist but he is able to push back that the middle of the offensive line to get in the quarterback's face and he's six five so he can put that put his hands up to to block any any passes over the middle
1: yeah i think he's better today i just i think has has the quick twitch ability to potentially be more special down the line but I think he's a plug-and-play starter, and he definitely has Pro Bowl potential. There's no question. So, yeah, we
0: wouldn't be talking about him going in the top 10 if he didn't have the potential
1: for it. I think he's the safest pick in the top 10. Get, really? I, I, I do not see a scenario where he is not an above-average starter in the NFL, which is why I, I haven't projected going at number seven. Ken <laughs> Law, there's a slight chance that he doesn't, he doesn't quite put it all together. And it's hard to take that risk at number seven, even if the all you know the complete package could be better. Okay. Any other but thoughts, my... Ram? Or do you want to jump to number eight?
2: Um, I mean, honestly, you know, I'm I'm in the same agreement with you guys. I don't really think we should waste the time on it, so we can go ahead and skip on over to number eight.
1: Yeah, the fat guys aren't as interesting.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you said it, not me.
1: Okay. Well
0: you're going to be sorely disappointed in this next pick then.
2: <laughs> All
1: right, number eight overall. CJ, you're on the clock.
0: Uh, Picking at number eight is the Arizona Cardinals. And before the league year started, I would have imagined them taking a receiver like Jerry Judy from Alabama at this spot. But after robbing the Texans and getting DeAndre Hopkins, they kind of – Filled that spot for me, so I think they they take an offensive tackle to help protect Kyler Murray, who was sacked fifty times this past year. And at 6'5", 320 pounds, he ran a four eight five forty. Mind blowing. Mind blowing oh for a dude that's over three hundred pounds. And uh, some mock drafts have him projected going at uh, as high as number four to the Giants instead of Isaiah Simmons. Like you said earlier, they need a tackle and he's the higher highest rated tackle. Now, here's some interesting facts. In high school, not only was he a football star, he won a state championship in discus, shot put, and he was a state champion wrestler. That last one That is translates less.
1: very well.
0: That translates very that well because man. he's got the hip movement. He's got the ability to move with those high-end defensive ends that, like we talked about earlier, can get low and hold an angle, and he can get, he can get right down there with them. He benched 24 reps at the combine. It's been rumored that he can, he can lift a bus. <laughs> and he spent time at both left And right tackle. So you can move him around the line to fit the need of the team. He's... You said you thought that Brown was the surest bet. I'm thinking it's Tristan Wirth's... The dude's a a monster.
1: So if you were... Would you have taken him at number four for the Giants instead of Simmons? If you were me? No.
0: No. No, I wouldn't. I would still take Simmons. But... Like I said, I've seen other experts predicting him at number four, but I think I think the Simmons fit I think you were right on that. The Panthers could use him just because of the question marks that they've had losing Daryl Williams and other players that other free agent signings that never really panned out, but the defense needs more work for the Panthers, so I think he falls to the Cardinals.
1: Yeah, that's actually kind of similar to the 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 mindset, the secondary mindset I have with the Giants, where their biggest need is protecting their second-year quarterback. Yeah. Well, the Cardinals have a second-year quarterback who is only five foot ten and needs that protection. So, I mean, I I think it's a great pick, especially considering they don't, they're not desperate at receiver. Actually, they really don't need a receiver. They're too deep as it is. If you can be too deep at receiver.
0: Right, and. 50 sacks is a lot for any quarterback, but when you add in the mobility of Kyler Murray, who should be able to escape the pocket, for the defense to collapse on him as early as they did this year, it, it's embarrassing. And so I think there's no question that you have to go O tackle at this spot, especially with the pedigree that Tristan's got.
1: Yeah. Okay. I, I 100% agree. Um, do you have any final thoughts, Rem, before we jump to the number nine overall
2: pick? Nah, man. I mean, I, I think he's elite level, so I, I'm full agreement.
1: Number nine overall, Remington, you are on the clock.
2: All right. So for the ninth overall pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars will select Javon Kinlaw for the same reason you were talking about earlier. There, Eric. Uh, you know, as far as you Know his physicality, you know, you're talking 6'5, 315 pounds. Uh, we all know he didn't uh, go to the combine, so we didn't get any numbers there. Uh, and looking back to his South Carolina stats, you know, because he went jun- junior college first two years and then obviously, you know, transferred over, uh, for that, they have him registered anywhere from about a 4'9 to a 5'2nd uh, 40. So you're not talking about, you know, insane amounts of speed at that pound, at that. Level, I guess you would say, but considering the fact that he's running sub five at over 300 pounds, that's that's saying something. Uh, excellent physical skill set between, you know, his speed, his strength and his length. He has the ability to use his long arms to keep, you know, those those offensive linemen off of him so that he can fill those holes and those gaps. Uh, the, the techniques there. He's got great footwork, too. Uh, like I said, he can shed those blocks. Uh, he, he's just relatively rare talent in that spot you know he's a durable play uh he can do a variety of you know four three and three four techniques and uh not to mention you know us losing uh numerous amounts of starters on our defense uh since the 2019 i mean excuse me the 2019 season yeah um uh, in particular you know calais campbell so we we need another big presence on on our defense so I, i'm thinking that he can actually you know, fill that role, and not to mention, I mean, I don't know if you watch the Senior Bowl or not, but just like six years ago with Aaron Donald, and we all know how he turned out, uh, Ken Law absolutely dominated that. As far as weaknesses go, when you come down to it, th- there's not an incredible amount there. You know, he can improve his pass rushing, especially for the NFL format. And um, he doesn't always live up to a skill set there. But I think with the right coaching and a little bit of time put in, just that experience is going to push him to another level. What are you guys thinking?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of touched on him a little bit already. I, I love his ceiling. You're right, he does. I don't. I wouldn't call him raw, but he needs to. He's not a technician at this point. No. But that's something with the right mindset that can be improved. Uh, you know, I, I, like, I like to pick. Might as well swing for the fences. And, and you're also right, he does have scheme versatility. He could literally play anywhere from nose tackle to defensive end, depending exactly. on which team you want and what you require from him. So and, I, I love the pick. I would have picked him at seven if it, was my, if, I, if it was my true honest opinion and not really a projection at who they'll actually select.
0: Yeah. Now, don't be surprised if the Jaguars pick up love – at quarterback, I'm not sure that this coaching staff is. They're on the hot seat as it is. I don't know if they're willing to stake their job with him at quarterback. I think
2: with the well, Minshew,
0: yeah. I, so I think I think they pick up a, a quarterback at that spot. Whoever whoever falls out of between the top four, yeah. I, obviously, Burrow's not going to fall. So between uh, Herbert, <laughs> Herbert, Tua and love. They'll, they'll have their
1: pick of one of those three.
2: So you, so you think they'd go that route,
1: still pick, you'd still pick Tua at nine or, well, I guess you just think they would do that. Yeah, I think they would. Okay. I wouldn't.
2: Okay. I, I agree with, I, I don't disagree with that thought, man. Honestly, I mean, if, if by some crazy fluke of a situation Tua falls to nine, I mean, I, I can't say that I wouldn't take him instead of Ken law, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know if I'm sold on love over, you know, having somebody like Ken Law who could be, you know, a again, you know, I used this term earlier, but he could be a literal franchise defensive player. I mean, you know, you're talking about a guy who can, you know, make or break a defense here. So I, I think at the end of the day, we'll see. But I don't I don't disagree with you.
1: OK, so the last pick of this portion of the mock draft Number 10 overall, the Cleveland Browns selects Makai Becton. Offensive tackle out of Louisville. This guy is an absolute mammoth. He stands 6 feet 7 inches tall and weighs 364 pounds. And what's even crazier is he's only 20 years old. The guy cannot legally drink yet. And he is as big as a house. But it is because of that that he is the biggest boomer bust prospect that I have in the first round of this draft at 6'7, 364 pounds. He ran a five, one flat, which That's is ridiculous. mind blowing. That's, That's insane. there. He would be the biggest player in the NFL to begin with. And he runs an above average 40 time for an offensive tackle. So the things that I love about him, he has incredibly long arms. He can play both, Tackle positions. Really, it's spectacular how nimble his feet are at that size. Um, he does have serviceable, but technique. Um, but the big thing that, for me, makes him boom or bust. If he puts it all together with those physical tools, this is a guy that legitimately has Jonathan Ogden or Jason Peters potential. Those are two monuments from a size perspective that. A Hall of Famer. Well, Jason Peters will be a Hall of Famer. But there, there were guys that were huge. Jonathan Ogden was six nine. Of course, the big question is, will he continue to improve? And this is a guy that I think the interviews are the most important aspect of his pre-draft process. You can look at the tape. You can see the physical tools. But what you also see is only serviceable technique. So he can be a little top-heavy. His technique is not always refined and could wait be an issue for him down the road. So if you interview with him and this guy and you not just with him, but you interview his coaches, you find out what his work ethic is, whether this guy, once he makes it in the league, is going to put the work in to improve. If he can get his technique to an above average level, the guy is a hall of famer. That's how incredibly he is he has at best average technique right now and he's still projected as a top 10 pick because his length, his size and his nimble feet make up for all of those things. He doesn't have to he doesn't have to have perfect technique in both pass protection and run blocking. He doesn't have to have proper positioning because he is just so tall, long, strong and heavy. He can't be moved. He doesn't have he, you know, if he doesn't hit you square in the chest and he's not directly in front of you, he's just by being there You've got to go around the world just to get to the quarterback. Yeah. If he's able to improve on that and keep his weight in check, he's got the high ceiling of any tackle in the draft.
2: He legitimately has
1: Jonathan Ogden potential. But he could also eat his way out of the league. We could blink, and he could legitimately be over 400 pounds. And at that point, it's beyond a healthy playing weight. Yeah, so there's you look no at,
0: way you're you're going to be able to maintain the the endurance and mobility to be able to keep up with the the elite defensive ends of, in the league.
1: Yeah, no matter how how long your arms are, or how much how much how big your frame is. So with him, the fact that he's only 20, again, it plays into the boomer bust. It's a positive and it's a negative. The positive is at 20 years old. Think about how much this guy's technique and positioning could improve. The negative is at 20 years old think about how large this man could be when he was when he's 30. Yeah. So uh, if he keeps his weight in check, even if his technique doesn't improve, he is a more than capable right tackle in the NFL. But if he improves that technique, he has the quickness of a left tackle, the size of the big show or Andre, the giant, the arm length of Kevin Durant, almost I mean, he's got everything you could possibly want from a physical standpoint. But you want a 360-pound tackle at that size. You don't want a 420-pound tackle. So that's, that's who I pick. I, I just think it's worth a swing for the fences. There are safer prospects out there. But Bears need help on their offensive line. He does have the versatility to play right tackle or left tackle. And you could get a Hall of Famer. The only... Downfall is he's also, he would be going to the Browns, which are not known for being a responsible organization. Not at all. If he went to the Patriots, I would say he's a surefire bet to be a Hall of Famer. They will keep him in check. Instead, he's going to the polar opposite of the Patriots and in Cle- in the Cleveland Browns. And a lot is going to rely on his self-discipline. That's why those interviews are so important. You've got to find out what type of man this, this kid is. And if you think he's the type that's motivated enough and disciplined enough to keep all of those things in check and improve where he needs to improve, God, the sky's the limit.
0: This is where the the Wonderlick test from days gone by that, yeah. that would really help determine whether this kid's got the mindset and the mentality to be able to improve his weaknesses.
1: Uh, I mean – I wish I was 6'7". I don't know if I wish I was 360, but you give me those physical tools, man. Lord knows what anybody could accomplish.
2: You're right. Signing a, a contract in a heartbeat.
1: I mean, he's basically, he's got the ability to be the shack of the NFL.
0: hmm Now, a point of reference, you mentioned Jason Peters earlier. Uh, Jason Peters was only 6'4".
1: Really? How much does he
0: weigh? Um, hold on just a second. I can tell you he was pretty large but not obnoxious for his height. He was 328.
1: Okay, so 3 bigger. 3 th- we'll, we'll call it 330 to make it relatively even. Right. That's bigger. I mean my my first comparison was honestly it was Jonathan Ogden. I just kind of wanted somebody else who was a modern day player. Yeah. Jonathan Tristan- Ogden was 69 3, 350.
0: Tristan Wirfs uh, is closer in size, being six five and three twenty. To
1: Jason and, Peters, yeah. Well, so, well, I guess the truth is, if you are going to do a comparison, a a real a current NFL player comparison, who is that big?
0: You, Nobody. You don't really see. You don't really see many players. I mean, there is no one bigger in the, in this draft class. He's literally the biggest player in in the draft.
2: You have in that one, rare... like Army Rangers on that one Army Ranger guy on the um, Steelers, the I Steelers. believe. Villano... Yeah, Villanueva. what is it, Villanueva. 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 but, but he's,
1: he's six eight. But he's not. He's like three twenty. He's not. He's thinner. Yeah, I mean,
2: he's much leaner.
1: Four yeah. eight left tackle. When I say thinner, but
2: right. But,
0: then he hmm. he's he's one of my favorite offensive linemen in the whole league. <laughs> I just love the fact that he goes from serving the country as an Army Ranger to making it to the NFL. That's the elite of the elite in yeah. both aspects of his life. He's yeah. the elite I, in the military and elite in sports. I love the dude.
1: I mean, when I, you just... talk about a list of people you don't want to mess with, an Army he's Ranger that and an NFL tackle are on the top of that list, and he's both. Yeah.
2: And both. Yeah. I'm just thinking that, like, if I'm on, like, in some foreign country just chilling, you know, and they're doing some spec ops and he just comes walking out of the woods, I'm probably going to absolutely soil myself through well, and through. I'm, pa- I'm like, packing up my well, shit. Like, the and
0: difference
1: I'm... is you, you, you wouldn't see him walking out of the woods if he, no. he would even shoot you and you wouldn't know about it, or he pops up behind yeah. you, and you turn around and you're cornered, and then you see this 6'8", 320-pound guy. Right, oh, right. No.
0: He, if he's walking out of the woods, the trees are leaning away from him as he's walking <laughs> through. Excuse me. Excuse me. You yeah. know. Pardon me. Excuse me.
1: It's like the ground shaking in Jurassic Park when the like the gigantic T Rex is coming. Exactly. <laughs> what is that? You see the the ripples in the water.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Just cars at being that point. At that point, if I'm his enemy, I'm packing my shit up and I'm leaving. I'm going home. I'm I'm not messing with it. Yeah, <laughs>
2: I'm done.
1: Well, you should have you should have known better than to mess with America in the first place.
2: True <laughs> to <that>. The moral <laughs> of this story.
1: OK, Um. any other um, any other comments, statements about my 10th overall pick?
0: Nope. No. I think this top 10, literally every player has the potential and more than likely will start for their teams at the beginning of this season minus maybe Tua if they want to let him rehab a little bit and sit and learn the offense. But I think every other player has a potential to be starting next year.
1: Oh, what? You don't think Josh Rosen is going to start for Miami next year? (laughs) I'll let my (laughs)
0: silence answer that question. Josh (laughs) Rosen probably will be working at Staples or Best Buy this time next year.
1: Josh Rosen is the reverse of the Kurt Warner story. The Kurt Warner story is he was a bag boy at a grocery store before jumping around to like NFL Europe and the AFL before making it to the NFL and winning two MVPs. Exactly. It's the opposite of that story. Josh Josh Rosen Rosen is going to be a high first-round pick, start for two years in the NFL, and then by the time he's our age in his late 20s, he's going to be a bag boy at Food Lion.
2: No, yeah, or or wearing a mustard colored tie, selling paper at Dunder Mifflin. <laughs> I think
0: Dwight would have a field day with Josh Rosen. <laughs> 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 that that's probably
1: my favorite show of all time. <laughs> Easily, you can't go wrong with The
2: Office. No. So as always, thanks for joining us for the Walk Ons podcast, part of the Cavemen Podcast Network. We hope you enjoyed the first half of our NFL mock draft. We will be doing our next 10 picks, 11 through 21, on the next episode that we put out. So keep an eye out for that. You can find our podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you have any comments or anything you want us to read on air or topics you want us to cover, uh, definitely send us an email over at cavemenzone at gmail.com. And for today's podcast, this has been the Terrible Trio with Rim,
0: Eric, and CJ.
2: Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Peace!